There's so many similarities to the tobacco industry. Uh, most people know, or maybe they don't, that dairy is addicting. So what do you do? hook them while they're young. So a big part of their program, the milk program, is uh, targeting young people. Same thing Joe Camel did. Yeah, I mean, the, the dairy industry is so aware of this, this get them while they're young, that the Women, Infants, and Children program, WIC, which is a, a federal food subsidy program, it's basically like food stamps, and historically has been really heavy on cheese. Cheese and milk is like a big part of the WIC package. And when there was an initiative to introduce fruits and vegetables into the WIC package, mm -hmm. the dairy industry came out against that. They said, no way, you're not going to put fruit and vegetables into the women, infants, and children health program. Right. It's going to be our products because they don't care about your health. They're really, they just want to promote their products. And, and again, get them while they're young, get children hooked on this stuff. That's filmmakers Keegan Kuhn and Kip Anderson. And this is the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Right now, currently, as we speak, one out of every three Americans will die from some form of heart disease. Meanwhile, 70% of Americans are obese or overweight. 28 million worldwide suffer from cancer. And in the coming decade, 50% of Americans will be diagnosed as diabetic or pre-diabetic. This is something that is costing our economy trillions of dollars. In fact, 75% of all healthcare costs in America are attributable to these and a few other chronic lifestyle illnesses. It's an absolute disaster. It's devastating. And the most heartbreaking thing about all of this is that 80 to 90% of these conditions are preventable and quite often reversible through implementation of some really basic, simple diet and lifestyle alterations. So in other words, I think it's fair to say, to characterize that in many respects, it's the food. These are food-borne illnesses. My name is Rich Roll. This is my podcast. And this week I sit down with Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn, the filmmaking dynamic duo behind the groundbreaking documentary Cowspiracy. And we sit down to talk about their brand new film. It's called What the Health, which is a really powerful, equally groundbreaking follow-up documentary that explores the relationship between our food on the one hand, and on the other hand, giant government, medical, pharmaceutical, and health business interests, and how these powerful, well-financed concerns are contributing to the problem rather than the solution by producing, distributing, marketing, supporting, and quite honestly, often unabashedly pushing unhealthy foods on unsuspecting consumers that are not only making us sick, but keeping us sick. I've seen the film, uh, I'm in the film uh, just for a second, like a cameo near the end, but I can tell you it's really, really powerful. And there's a few more things I wanna say about it and the boys and this conversation, but first, We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this 
heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking Ons high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Okay, Kip and Keegan, uh, if you're a longtime listener to the pod, then you know this is the third time these guys have stopped by. But if you're new or you somehow missed those episodes, I would definitely check them out, RRP 91 and 176. If you have not yet seen their first film, Cowspiracy, definitely check that out. It's all about the deleterious and devastating impact of animal agriculture on our environment. 
I would go so far as to say it is appointment television, appointment screen time. Uh, And this pod picks up where we last left off by digging into the hows and the whys and the whatnots behind their brand new film, What the Health, uh, which explores the impact of animal agriculture, not on environmental health, but on human health. Uh, Like I said, I've seen it. It's amazing. And it's coming your way soon, really soon, as a matter of fact. March 16th, the film is going to be available everywhere at whatthehealthfilm.com. I'll put that link up in the show notes. And that's where you can also not only watch it, but pre-order the DVD and the cookbook. They've got a cookbook coming. You can set up your own screening and basically just stay up to date with uh, everything they're up to. Uh, Not only that, and this is the really cool part, uh, Kip and Keegan are going to be giving away half of all the proceeds that they raised for the first four days of the film's availability. So essentially between March 16th and 20th, 50% of all the money paid to watch the film is going to be donated to Food Not Bombs, which is an amazing for-purpose organization that's feeding thousands and thousands of people uh, free meals across North America and the world. So that is very, very cool. And this is my conversation with Kip and Keegan, or Keegan and Kip. Either way, it's all good. Well, before we get into it, why don't we, um, I think it would be good to uh, recap a little bit of of kind of the Cowspiracy experience. And like, since the last time we talked, it was right on the, um, it was right on the verge of it going live on Netflix. So I'd be interested in hearing kind of the impact of that on you guys, like what you've experienced as a result of, you know, really mainstream audiences all over the world being introduced to this movie and how that sort of colored or changed your advocacy, your filmmaking, and your how you foresee uh, your work going forward. It was really amazing when it went on Netflix, it just boomed around the world, just completely blew up. And uh, we started getting... Uh, requests to speak all around the world and all these different things. And one of the most amazing one was EU Parliament decided right before COP21. And I can't remember this is before we talked or after. I can't remember either. But, um, after. It was after. And so got to go to Brussels, Belgium, the EU Parliament show the film at the actual venue and, you know, with all the, the politicians from In there. Paris? No, actually in Brussels, oh, Brussels Belgium is where okay. the EU, uh-huh. EU Parliament is uh, headquarters. And that was amazing. And so then after, right after that, the Italian Parliament, they showed it up there um, with all their uh, politicians there. And then it happened again in Holland. And when you go to Europe, you just see how fast that whole message is happening. Um and Meaning what? What do you mean? The message of, of the the truth coming out of animal agriculture and the effect on the environment, and then policies that are actually happening where it's a little harder to happen in the U.S., where you have more smaller countries there, so it seems that the communities, the grassroots can happen a little bit quicker there. Mm. So in Sweden, um, tons of stuff are happening where uh, they're starting to get, get laws passed for, you know, um, everything from... Uh, to, to, to tell the, the public to get less meat consumption. And then you, the main thing is ways you see it is happening with the food choices. Uh, the, the McDonald's from there is called Mac or I think it's, uh, or Max. And they have, uh, four vegetarian burgers there. It's equivalent to the McDonald's McDonald's there has veggie burgers there. And they're having these festivals that are all vegan festivals and just everywhere you go, it's just blowing up. So essentially, 
but sort of between the lines, what you're saying is that um, when you screen the movie or you introduce these ideas to these audiences across Europe, they're more sort of receptive to it and, and, and the sort of policy changes seem to happen more quickly or there's less resistance to kind of these ideas making their way into mainstream habit changes and, and government uh, sort of initiatives. That's exactly. And I think, you know, documentaries are so unique in that ability to influence society and, and governments because people, everybody watches movies. And so people are watching, and especially when it's on Netflix, they're watching documentaries at night, right before they go to sleep. And so they wake up the next morning thinking about it and it's in their head. And so, and that's everybody from people who are, you know, legislators through people who own businesses to, you know, literally everyone. Uh, and so it does, it has this incredible impact and it, I think the biggest thing was just to inform people, you know, mm-hmm. and then allow them to figure out what they wanted to do with it. And people are doing something with it, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So cool. So you so you screened it across Europe. Anything? And what else, what other stuff? Like like you guys must get like stopped on the street and stuff like that. I would imagine <laughs> at least Kip because you're on camera. It's kind of funny. <laughs> goes in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I go uh, to when I travel. The funnest thing is go to the, the local. Well, you're wearing the, the same hat right now that you're wearing in the movie. Every time I see yeah. you, you're wearing the same hat. So That's as funny as Keegan does. I really do wear a hat. Still, right? <laughs> yeah. When I do like public talks, I don't. Uh, and sometimes people come like, oh, "Where's your hat?" Like, "Where's their hat?" But uh-huh. I usually always wear a hat um but yeah it's just fun to see traveling around and sometimes it goes in waves where i get recognized and that's always weird but you know when you go to every vegan restaurant mm-hmm. of course that's <laughs> that's a but you get you get recognized in like weird places we were filming in texas in outside of houston and kip comes back from the gym and he's like yeah some guy just recognized me in the sauna and i'm like that's weird uh, yeah <laughs> you know totally random sort of stuff which again just kind of shows illustrates how widely seen this film is it's not just by vegans it's not just by environmentalists it's like across the board People oh yeah are just interested. completely mainstream audience yeah. right cool so all right so you have this massive success with cowspiracy um obviously that gets you thinking what what is the next movie going to be what are we going to focus on so maybe walk me through you know how you arrived at what the health and and you know what your idea uh for this movie was kind of going into it yeah so what the health kind of actually it really started with while we were making cowspiracy cowspiracy we were trying to cram in all this information because while we were working on it we're finding out about you know because cowspiracy is about the impacts of raising animals for food on the planet and it's the leading cause of x y and z but we we're also looking at well what are the impacts of eating this diet on our health and so we were tr- we had this whole section in the film in cowspiracy originally to talk more about health and to talk more about the other aspects of animal agriculture but then we realized it was just it was a whole nother film and so we kind of, we cut it down as much as possible in Cowspiracy. And then we just decided like, well, let's put more time and energy into, into learning about this. And we spent, you know, really two years researching the impacts of an animal-based diet on our health and the benefits of a plant-based diet on our health. And just so much keeps coming up. I mean, literally to this day, there's more and more information. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it too, is once we started going into it and to have it in the original Cowspiracy is we have Dr. Clapper at the end talk about how dairy is not made for humans. Mm-hmm. And we also interviewed Dr. Goldhammer and a couple other things. And then we realized the same sort of thing might be happening with Cowspiracy as the cover-ups with the, uh, and the collusion between, say, the nonprofits, the environmental world, the Greenpeace, Sierra Clubs, Amazon Watch, them, them not talking about it, where they need to be the ones who need to be held accountable because that's who we look for to tell us the truth, not the, not the animal agriculture industry. Once we started digging in to health, we started, and this is kind of this, we're telling the story of the film 
is realizing that the same thing is happening. The American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, or even my 11-year-old niece, she knows that you're not supposed to eat red beef, uh, red, you know, red meat for your heart, yet in the, on you go on the website, and there's a whole section on beef recipes. Yeah, I think that, that Cowspiracy was incredibly impactful for two reasons. First of all, it was sort of pulling covers and helping people to really understand the impact of animal agriculture on the environment, which is something, you know, as a culture, we were not talking about. I mean, it blew my mind, you know, just to come into that awareness. And then secondarily, to find out that these uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, these organizations that we have entrusted with sort of advising us, the consumers, uh, the citizenship, with what we should be aware of and how we can sort of best take action to protect the environment, how on some level we were being sort of misled and, and betrayed by these organizations. And then what you're seeing in this new film is really a parallel of that same thing, to really understand that a lot of these foods that we've been told our whole life uh, are essential to a healthy diet. You know, beef is what's for dinner. Milk does a body good. Uh, what's the pork one? Pork one is like be inspired. Be inspired. Who <laughs> came up with that one, you know? Uh, and eggs is, what's the egg one? Incredible. Excellent, incredible. Yeah. Oh, the incredible edible egg, and right? Excellent. Like all these catchphrases, right? That are just part of like me, that's like how I grew up, right? It's part of American lexicon. And then understand like, oh, wait a minute, maybe these things aren't so healthy. Maybe these things are actually contributing to disease. And now let's look at these nonprofit organizations, these consumer watchdog groups that we've entrusted with telling us what we should and shouldn't be eating and to understand that similar to Cowspiracy, these organizations are, are leading us astray and obfuscating the truth in, in, in many respects. And what's so interesting, it, it goes on a whole nother level in Cowspiracy is that where the government is involved, these, uh, these, these marketing programs that you talked about, the, the milk, uh, milk Life? Yeah, Milk Life yeah. is their new all, all the ones that you named, they're actually government programs. So mm -hmm. I want to get into that. I yeah. Would, yeah, yeah. I want to get into that. that but let's but... take it like sort of step by step. Maybe just kind of explain uh, for the listener uh, the general synopsis of the movie. So essentially, it's funny how similar it is to Cowspiracy. Um, the story essentially starts out as my true story, my past. I was a hypochondriac, and as any of my good friends can tell you, <laughs> hardcore hypochondriac. I actually man I manifested myself with illnesses for a long time, and then I realized something very severe happened, and that, and I found out that I manifested it from a doctor, <laughs> he told me. What do you and, mean? What is that? What do you mean specifically? Um, uh, <laughs> Kind of more a personal story, but uh, that's right. like worse. I kind of a funny story, but I, it happened a lot. I would get stomach aches, I would get head, I would get everything, and then a real severe one. I thought I had something, and then a doctor told me that you don't. It's completely in your head, and at that point, I realized it was getting so dramatic, and this was getting serious. It was affecting my life that I completely that that powerful thing of realizing this is in my head i'm manifesting this i flipped it on its head and realized um that we do have power you know mind over matter this sort of psychosomatic situation where yeah. you're manifesting illnesses because you're afraid of getting them right like and then essentially so, yeah, all right yeah and then so since then actually it's kind of i don't go this deep into the film about that it's kind of just an interesting thing but uh finding out i got really into nutrition and in health and then to find out that uh, you know the, the WHO just came out. I've I've been vegan nine years, but just in the past two years, the WHO came out with their announcement that that processed meat is now classified in the same category as cigarette smoking, 
which is unbelievable. And so all these facts, and these facts have been around for 40 years. Um, so I found out about these before they announced it about around eight, nine years ago when I went, went vegan, all these things happened, the environment and the health. Um, and I got really into it, dug deep into it. And I found these studies already. And to think that this was hidden from me and hidden from us, you know, my whole life, even after studying it, because I, I became unhypochondriac, the opposite, and started studying nutrition for about 15 years. And I never learned about any of these things. And at that time, I was eating a lot of meat and a lot of dairy and not knowing anything about um, the harms of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then once you find out this, then like Cowspiracy, dig deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, so part of the story really is like Cowspiracy. It's really finding out these things I really found out around eight, nine years ago. But at this point, really not only finding out and sharing the information, but how this information got to us. You know, you see a lot of these awesome documentaries, Forks Over Knives, New One Eating, Eating You Alive. And they take it a certain step of what's good for you and what's bad for you. And to tell a little bit about how it got to be this way, but we take it really deep on how, how many levels of collusion and how this happened and why we think, you know, meat and dairy is good for you and why it's impossible or dangerous to be vegan. And then to find out this is all stemming from essentially the same players. Um, and we just go deep in exploring about all this. Yeah. And then we also go another step. It's beyond personal health. You know, a lot of health documentaries really focus on just what are the impacts to me? And we looked at, well, what are the impacts of this industry on society? What's the impacts of this industry on the environment? And what's the impacts of this industry on people who have to live next to factory farms? Mm-hmm. You know? So we went to North Carolina and we interviewed families who live next to these factory farms and who have to deal with you know, the toxic waste that's coming out of them. And, those, and then looking at the, yeah, the whole picture that, that health isn't just about ourselves. It, it right. can't be just about ourselves. It's got to be about the bigger picture. Yeah, I think that's what really does distinguish it from the other documentaries that I've seen. I think similar to, so Cowspiracy begins with this discovery of the UN report, like the 2008 report, right? That kind of launches you into this investigation uh, into the environmental implications of animal agriculture. Uh, analogously, in this movie, it's this uh, <clears throat> it's this World Health Organization report, right? That suddenly classifies processed meat as a what is it a class group, group one, group carcinogen. one carcinogen, right? And that's sort of the entry point for you to then go on a similar journey. Uh, but again, what is really compelling is that is that you really examine sort of the political landscape of this and the impact of this on communities and. Uh, the civil rights implications, which is something that you know I don't think many people think of, and that was really super interesting, uh, and it's really compelling. You guys did an amazing job, and I think this is going to really uh, open a lot of people's eyes. Thanks. And I will say this: I was super stoked to <laughs> to notice that that uh, it's like a it's like the uh, Ritual Podcast Roundup. I like have made like a running tab of all the guests that have been on my podcast that that are in the movie, and it's like it's amazing. You've got like David Simon, of course. I mean, Dr. Michael Greger is like the star of the movie. He's like incredible. He's, uh, he's a rock star. Dr. Michael Clapper, Neil Barnard, Garth Davis, Joel Kahn, Michelle McMacken, Tim Sheaf, David Carter. I mean, and then the other people that you've interviewed that, are, that you interviewed that have not been on the show are all on my list of people to get on, to get on, like Caldwell Esselstyn, McDougal. Uh, Dr. Goldhammer, who am I missing? You're missing like the biggest one, the biggest star, Rich Roll. 
I'm not a guest on my own show. <laughs> no, yeah, but, you're, but you're I do on appreciate. The show. Yeah, I make a little. I make a little <laughs> cameo. There. Thanks for you know indulging me on that. Well, I mean, no, it's, an honor, it's honor. It's an honor to appear in the movie. Oh, it's it's a huge huge motivator. And actually, the Ritual Podcast was an amazing resource to be able to go to because we could we could listen to these doctors and we could see like who who's the the most forward thinking people in the world of nutrition and health. And it's yeah, amazingly, there's these. Yeah, hour really to cool. two hour long interviews with all right. of them. Right, and uh, yeah, the, the podcast brought to visual life, it. which it was, is awesome cool. maybe, to see. Maybe talk about it a little later, because it's tw- at the end of the movie, but my transformation that happened with me, even though I've been vegan for a good time now, I hadn't done any marathons, um, kind of giving th- the end part away, but it was actually after doing that that podcast, the second podcast with you, I'm like, I'm going to do an Ironman. Uh-huh. Like, I want to test this whole vegan thing out. Um so I guess I'm getting into it now, but it was the first marathon I did being vegan and I beat my time by 23 minutes and, and, and purposely it was for the movie, it was, but it was going to be a lot bigger part in the movie um, that I training only half the time and mm-hmm. only twice a week. And then I stepped it up after talking to you. I'm like, I can do an Ironman. Right. And then, and purposely I wanted to do it within three months. I never even owned a bike. I've uh-huh. never swam more two, than two laps. I didn't, never did a lap. Didn't own a bike other than I do mountain biking around San Francisco. Never biked over five miles, 10 miles. And I'm like, I'm going to do this uh, within three months, do an, a marathon, and then within that same month, do an Ironman. So uh-huh. I just jumped on a bike, started <laughs> swimming, and uh-huh. tested this whole vegan thing out and uh, did it. <laughs> and it's true. No, it's, it's it great. Yeah, I know that that was originally, the original intent was that gonna, that was going to be more of a narrative through line throughout right. the movie. Maybe it didn't fit like how so it all much. worked out or whatever, because you guys have, are trying to cover so many things. But the the you told me this one story once about that that I just love. Like you, you kind of just threw yourself into it without really knowing what you were doing. And I think, was it, you did uh, Coeur d'Alene, right? Was that the Ironman Coeur d'Alene of all of them, it turned out to be, I mean, it's been around since what, uh, 1985? Uh-huh. The hottest Ironman, not until that morning, they were going to cancel it. It was 106 degrees. It was the hottest Ironman in history up until that night. It was on, you know, they didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And I have no idea what I'm doing. The first time I jumped on a bike, I just, I, 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 I've, to this day, I've never biked under 40 miles because I just had to do it so fast. But at that morning, I never hung out with anyone who's done Ironman. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded myself with all these incredible athletes. And I think I snuck in. And if the funny story I think I told you was, so everyone's getting their bike ready. I'm like, what's everyone doing with their bike? You know, they're pumping it up and like testing it. And I, so I asked him like, what are you, what are you doing with your time? He started looking at me like, what are you talking about? He said, you're supposed to, uh, you know, your PSI is supposed to be a certain, I'm like, really, what is it? And he could not believe uh, I was asking him this. And I it still was, only, what it's 100 PSI tires and Kip had it at like 40. I had it basically at 40. Like, so, training at 40 PSI. Yeah, like, so that's what, like, yeah. yeah so like, he tested it and I tested him like, oh my God, four. so I pumped it up. I'm like, sure not going to explode. He was just hilariously laughing at me. Pumped it all up to 100. So I've been training the whole time on 40 or 45 PSI. And that was the huge great training tip for anyone if you want <laughs> right. to do it because i was going right up flat over, over mount tam if you know mount tam like uh-huh. i was doing pretty hardcore uh climbs i put that on when i jumped on the bike i flew i'd be my uh my bike time by like two hours. Just I, I cannot believe it. So that was that was funny. Talk about not being prepared. Yeah. It's like we're, it's like training, swimming in a drag suit, right? Or and I was then doing you shave down, you know, yeah, and then was, you shave down, and then you feel like a million right. bucks. That was the same thing too. I was right. I was I had board shorts from surf shorts, like big huge board shorts with pockets filling with yeah, water. Yeah, and then I go on this you know this micro uh, wetsuit. 
just fly down uh-huh. like, wow, it's a great training tip. Who knew? Right. <laughs> cool. Well, you got it done, man. That was awesome. Yeah. And Super. then the scary part too on that story was that it was 106 degrees and I don't know my body that well, you know, because it's all new to me and I'm seeing people lay out um, in convulsions. And so for, you know, it's around 13 hours. So at any time, you know, I'm test looking at my pulse. I don't know if that's going to ever happen to me. So that was a really scary part the whole time. I never know if this just happens or not, if there's a warning sign. Mm-hmm. So that was scary. You survived. But you did it. Top, you did, did it, it, man. You did <laughs> it. it. I really. know. Yeah. On like training twice a week or something for an Ironman? Uh, around then, because I had to do train for a marathon and Ironman, I did like three times a week. Right. <laughs> but I did a, a long not, distance. Not advised, <laughs> but uh, but I'm glad you're still alive. And you're done. It's, That's cool. Yeah, and, and it really does work for the film, though, because it's mm-hmm. a testament that a plant-based diet is that clean. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, Kip could do this with really no experience very ill training mm-hmm. and and still pull it off and pull it off really well and it's like and i think that is a testament to you know kip as an individual mental you know fortitude but really to the fact that if you eat really clean and you eat purely it's so much easier for your body to get things done yeah and that that point does come across specifically through the words of david carter and tim sheaf who kind of talk about how uh once they went plant-based sort of you know it's so it's so anti-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory um, that you know a lot of the aches and pains go away. A lot of the problems that David had that he spoke about on the podcast went away. He was able to train harder, recover more quickly, all these sorts of things that, that allow you to progress as an athlete on a fraction of the training, um, and uh, you know without getting injured and, and all the things that go into it. And that point came across really well. So for you know, I want to I want to kind of go to the beginning of the film, and for people that are listening that maybe are new to the podcast, or maybe they saw Cowspiracy, um, but they don't necessarily have a point of reference when it comes to the impact of meat and dairy products on diet. Maybe we can start like at square one, because I think when you say, look, when you look at animal agriculture and what it's doing to the planet, the environmental implications for that, it's it's easy when you lay it out to go, oh my goodness, like I had no idea, but obviously like that makes sense. I can understand why this is happening. I need to rethink my approach, you know, and, and, and my habits. But when you talk about diet, it gets a little bit trickier because, you know, I think a lot of people, most people would just say, well, meat and dairy products have been part of, you know, the human diet going back forever. Now you're saying these things are, are what's causing all of these uh, chronic lifestyle illnesses. Like, how can that possibly be? So, you know, how do you begin to unpack that and and answer that? Yeah, I mean, the the film is based on science, and that's I think the the foundation is that you have to look at real scientific information and what what is science actually telling us when it comes to nutrition. And then when you look at that science, you also have to look at well. Is it real science and who is it being funded by? Because you can look at a study and you can say, well, hey, red meat is directly caused to coronary heart disease. Like it's 100%, everybody knows that. But then you can find another study that says complete opposite. And so people will say, oh, well, you know, that's a mute point then. It's like, well, who funded that original study? Mm-hmm. And who funded the, the pro-meat study? And it's like, well, is it a, was it, you know, Cattlemen Association? Was it a meat board? So we looked at that, that was a big, that's the foundation is you have to look at real science and real research. Um, but you can, I mean, there's, <laughs> I think anybody logically can understand that if you put foods that your body wasn't designed for into your body, it's not going to function. It's optimal. And so that's part of the film that we looked at is the anatomy of human body. Are we, are we true omnivores? Are we carnivores? Are we really herbivores? And that's actually one of the things that was kind of surprising while making the film 
was that you know i'm i'm vegan and so like i want i want it all to fit into my narrative of like mm-hmm. we're, we're supposed to be 100% plant eaters but something that we found is that actually well human beings we can get away with eating some animal products without detrimental effects and it's like that's not something you want to hear as a hardcore vegan but the truth is is that yeah maybe 5 to 10% you can get away with it but the impacts that that has on the environment the impacts that it has on people the impacts that it has clearly on the animals is huge and is that really worth it but then, you know, looking again, going to the anatomy and what, what are we really supposed to eat? Well, we're not really herbivores. We actually had a whole section in the film where we had this whole animation about how we're herbivores and it shows our anatomy. Mm-hmm. But then we realized that, well, actually, we're not herbivores. We're frugivores. We fit every characteristic of a frugivore. Which so is, explain what a frugivore is. So a frugivore is, is an animal that gets 90% or more of its nutrition from plants particularly high carbohydrate plants. So is fruit. that similar to us? What's the difference between that and like a starchivore? Like a, what McDougal would call like a starchivore? It's it's actually really, really close. So what you look at the, the great apes, they're all frugivores. So, you know, gorillas, uh, chimpanzees, orangutans, they're, they're frugivores. And human beings being a great ape, we've 100% fit into it. So it's something we go into the film you know, more in depth. Uh, but I think it's really this, that's a great place to start. But I think that we have to, and what we do in the film is that we start from the standard American diet and we just start to pick it apart and looking at all the different aspects. Uh, a big thing right now that's talked about in health and nutrition is sugar. Sugar's like mm-hmm. the, the, the big devil. You know, it, a few years ago it was wheat, and I think wheat is still kind of like the bad guy, but sugar's the big thing. And so we, we look at that and we. We ask the question, yeah, what, what role does sugar play in things like heart disease and cancer and diabetes? And the, the responses we got were actually really pretty shocking for both Kip and I. Yeah, it's super interesting. And sorry, I, don't want, I want Kip, I want to hear what you have to say on this. But uh, right now, it's all about sugar, you know, and which kind of contravenes, this is an ancillary topic, but it sort of contravenes a more holistic approach. Like it's, it's not any one thing, right? We have to look at these things in the context of the matrix of everything, right? Uh, but right now, you know, sugar's on everybody's minds and, you know, sugar is the culprit, sugar is the devil. Certainly processed sugar is not a good thing. And when you see the, the sort of explosion of processed foods with sugar in them and, you know, high fructose corn syrup, all that, all that kind of stuff, there's, there's, there's no question that these things are making us sick. So what's interesting is this sort of contrarian perspective that you get from, say, Dr. Neil Bernard that contravenes you know, what you would hear from Gary Taubes, right? It's Gary Taubes coming from, it's all about sugar, to Neil saying, don't worry about sugar, it's the animal products. And as a consumer watching this, it's very easy to get confused you know there's doubt like these people are saying different things they both seem smart i don't know what to do uh i'll just keep doing the same thing so how do you parse fact from fiction and why do you come down on the side of someone like neil bernard as opposed to gary Taubes? dr davis garth davis did you did you have you had him uh-huh. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was really good actually um he, he sums it up in this one part right after in the film after neil bernard talks about how diabetes is actually not caused by sugar it's caused by saturated fat and then king you might remember the, the way he says it he says sugar doesn't cause plaque sugar doesn't you know it just kind of done goes doesn't down the list it's not good for you doesn't increase inflammation yeah um it doesn't like lock your uh uh the way he said it, I can't remember. He did, he did this laundry list of what sugar doesn't do. It's not good. No one said it's good, but like cowspiracy, 
we, we address fracking. We address other things that are happening. And as we address this, we compare it to eating animal, for, for this film, eating animal products. What's fracking and cowspiracy? Um, the comparison of fracking to animal agriculture, there's no comparison of how much water is consumed or uh, taken from it and polluted. The same thing happens in this film. Yes, sugar is bad, but how bad is it compared to meat and dairy? Mm-hmm. Um, so so when you have these doctors who say sugar is bad, yes, but there, there's, again, there's just no comparison to, to saturated fat, especially from animal proteins and animal products. Yeah. And again, we just, we kept coming back to the science. It had to be based on hard science. Um, and so, yeah, you look at the studies and it's like, well, what are the studies actually saying? And the research is saying, and, and you say, it's really actually pretty interesting because even groups like the American Diabetes Association will say, if you look at their site and you look, at, you dig a little bit, they'll say, oh yeah, high carbohydrate diet actually doesn't cause diabetes. They encourage all of their you know, supporters and anyone with diabetes to be careful of your sugar intake because clearly if you have diabetes, you should be concerned about your sugar intake, but it's not what causes diabetes. Mm-hmm. Causes diabetes is your insulin system not working because it's clogged up with fat. And so well, what's what's got more fat in it? You know, sugar is what, it's like four calories per gram versus seven calories per gram for mm-hmm for uh, fat. So it's really, it's looking at the impacts of, of fat, but, but it goes again, even beyond just that, because it's not just these isolated things, not just saturated fat, it's not just cholesterol, it's not just, you know, carcinogens, it's all of these things put together. And it's, it's how all of those things work in our bodies. That is the real issue. Mm-hmm. And also, too, as you said, where does, how can you tell fact from fiction? A good example is on the cover of Time, I think now it's two years ago, it was a stick of butter. And I can't remember the title, but it was something butter. Butter's butter's back. Is, back. Butter is yeah. back. And so that started a huge craze that, you know, bullet coffee, all this. And we go, we look, go back, go back, go back. Who funded this? Who did the studies? Go back. And it was National Dairy Council. National Dairy Council. Mm-hmm. The, the whole study, like, I mean, that's like that whole, you know, saturated fat isn't bad for you. It's based on basically two studies. Anybody who's listened to the Garth Davis interview will we'll know about well, this. Presume, presume people yeah. haven't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's really, it's based on two studies and they're they're funded by the National Dairy Council. So it's like they have a, a vested interest in protecting their industry. So they're going to fund studies that are going to say that, no, 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 our product isn't bad for you. Uh, and the leading pl- source of saturated fat is from dairy products, not from meat. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination of a couple things. First of all, my recollection is, isn't that those studies said that saturated fat is good for you? They just cast doubt on how bad it might be for you. And then journalists looking for you know appetizing headlines will take that and translate it into you know fat is your new best friend and then there's books being written about it and you know the average consumer who doesn't have time to drill down to the truth of all this stuff is just going to see the headline modify their behavior accordingly and this is not helping anybody you know it's a page out of the merchants of doubt it's it's directly out of the playbook from big tobacco exactly if you can make people uh sort of confused enough then you have them exactly where you want them. And we have a, and that exactly where the film leads into uh, Dr. Gregor talking about that, about the tobacco industry, doubt is our product. And that was right in there, uh, right in there. Their yeah, and their memos. I mean, they really, it's, it's about, yeah, to confuse the public enough where they don't know what to do and they just continue as business as normal. Mm-hmm. And so what, what the health the film does is it, it lays all this information out easily. So, and then it's all, again, you can go back, we're gonna have on our site 
all the original studies so you can source everything, you can see where all this information is because we really just want, this is just a starting point. You know, so you learn, you get some of, you get your appetite for understanding nutrition and then you can go deeper because there's so much more that we couldn't fit into this film. To me, it breaks down, and tell me what you think, but to me, it breaks down into kind of two parts. The first part is really looking at the impact of meat and dairy products on the human body. And, you know, you can delve into the archive of this podcast and listen to interviews with all these doctors. We don't need to rehash all of that now, but we're in this explosion of chronic lifestyle illness, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, killing millions and millions of people, bankrupting our economy and our healthcare system. It's just absolutely devastating. And then understand that we actually have control over these things a little bit more than perhaps we thought, that with some pretty simple dietary and lifestyle alterations, we can actually not only prevent ourselves from contracting these diseases, which we've sort of been misled to believe are simply genetic, uh, and to actually reverse them under certain circumstances is incredibly powerful and illuminating, and I think, you know, turns the lights on for a lot of people. I mean, that, that's going to be huge news for a lot of people that aren't spending all their time watching health documentaries on Netflix. Uh, so that's the first part. And then the second part, which is really just mind-blowing, is the extent to which these uh, organizations, the American Diabetes Association, the American uh, Heart Association, uh, what are the other ones that you guys? American, Cancer, Society. American Cancer Society. Susan G. Komen. The extent, to, yeah, Susan G. Komen, the extent to which these nonprofit organizations um, are are being less than transparent about the truth, and the true extent to which they are actually funded by the meat and dairy organization, the big companies that produce these products, and how that compromises the information that's being delivered to the consumer. Yeah, I mean, and how could it not? I mean, it's just what's kept brought up. Like, you can stop anybody on the street and say, you know. What is red meat good for your heart? And they'll say, no, it's horrible. You eat red meats. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. And yet you go on the American Heart Association website, they have a huge section on red meat. I mean, like recipes and recommendations. You can go, you can look at, you know, we know that processed meat is one of the leading causes of developing type 2 diabetes. I mean, it's more than any other foods. And yet on the American Diabetes Association, they're, you know, was it, uh, recipes for healthy living they have mm. bacon wrapped shrimp mm -hmm. it's like what that's a recipe for healthy living is bacon wrapped shrimp and you know that's just the tip of the iceberg and it's every single one of these organizations and so we did we started investigating we looked deeper and said well why would they have that on there and we uncovered that they're receiving millions of dollars from this industry and so of course they're not going to say anything negatively against it. Right. So before we even get into that, and I want to unpack that, you know, what what kind of leads the the viewer into that is you know this sort of trademark cowspiracy, you know, thing, thing you did in cowspiracy, where you knock on the doors of all these organizations and they either slam the door in your face or they grant you an interview that gets sort of called off in the middle, and you have that amazing uh, exchange with that guy from the. Uh, American Diabetes Association, who seemed more than happy to talk to you about the disease itself. But the, the minute you sort of tiptoe into the subject of dietary implications on either the, you know, the, the progression or reversal of the disease, the guy gets super freaked out. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And the, the first, when we were, we were making the film, the first thing that happened even before that was our first interview was with an American Cancer Society rep. And it was a, a doctor who represented them, a nutritionist. And 
somehow we, and it's in the film, we had an interview scheduled and then somehow she either looked up our name or something happened. And that the next day she knew, we did tell her it was going to be about dietary implications mm-hmm. on how it affects uh, cancer. If there's any correlation and other things about cancer, she, she scratched the interview and said, she cannot do it today. And we said, well, how about tomorrow? <laughs> she says, I can't do it tomorrow. How about next week? And then she stopped answering our emails right. altogether. And that was the real like, whoa, this is the same thing happening. And why would they not want to talk about diet? It's so, I mean, it's so bizarre even still yeah, after but making any, the film. But it's, it, the cat's out of the bag. You guys made Cowspiracy. You're, you know, a simple Google search will reveal like, hey, they, they don't want to put themselves in some kind of gotcha situation. It's like Sasha Baron Cohen also just or like the, Borat so, trying to convince people. <laughs> you know, it's well, like, that one, I don't think they had their know. names though, well, but even, 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 even though, and I think there is just some truth to that. But it's, well, then just tell the truth. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like Kip and I are like twisting people's words and, right. and making them out to look like idiots. It's like if the American Cancer Society had done that interview and had said, absolutely, you know, World Health Organization says it, absolutely eating animal products increases your chance of, of you know, prostate cancer, bowel cancers, X, Y, and Z cancers. Even if it was a tiny percentage yeah. right. to just say, yes, this is this is true. You that's know? what's so interesting about Cowspiracy is we get... You know, sometimes I'll go to a debate or, or somewhere and there'll be someone from, say, Greenpeace and they'll get our Amazon watch more recently and so pissed off. And it's we were so surprised leaving those interviews that all they had to say is, you know what, you're right. It's a very difficult message to get across. People don't want to hear about it, but you're right. We need we need to find a way to get this message out. That's all you had to say, you know, and that film would have been totally different, make them, you know, look in a different way. But for all of them to be so secretive and so beat around the box and to not just say that, you you know, you're right, this has plays a big role. Um, we need to address it. Same thing with this. Like Keegan said, if they just address, it's true, processed meat is directly linked to cancer. We need to do something about this. You're right. And we plan on it. Mm-hmm. But the same story played out in this film, too. I mean, we, we joked constantly about how similar this film is to Cowspiracy. Like, it's, it's, it's scary how similar it is because the same story is happening. You know, leading cause of environmental destruction is animal agriculture. And one of the leading causes of you know, the health impacts on our society is from... It's a, yeah, associated is is from animal products. Right. Well, you have that. There's that amazing quote from the guy from the Pew Research Institute. Yeah, uh, what, Robert Martin. That? Yeah, he's amazing. And he said something like, uh, you know, um, animal agriculture, you know, big animal agriculture interests, they have the power and the money of, of big tobacco and big pharma with the personality of the National Rifle Association, right? So they're super well-funded, they're politically connected, and and they don't give an inch, right? And and when you look at, when you follow the money and you see who's backing these health nonprofits, it's really quite shocking. So maybe, you know, extrapolate on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we started looking at the, the corporate sponsors. So American Cancer Society is corporate sponsoring with Yum Brand, second largest restaurant chain in the world, owner of KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. So how could they ever say anything bad against processed meat when they're literally receiving? Do we know how much money those um, are we, getting from Yum? Yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head. It's we'll have it on our our so website. The Susan G. Komen story, the one that we do know. Yeah, so I mean, Susan G. Komen, who's you know pink, pink ribbon, ribbon cam- campaign right. against breast cancer. We find studies studies, but we focus on one study in particular that showed that 
consuming whole dairy products, one serving of whole dairy a day for a woman who survived breast cancer, increases her chances of developing, of dying from breast cancer, 49%, and dying from all-cause mortality, 64%. And yet they're corporate par partnering with someone who makes that product, and they received $35 million from YoPlay. And that was one part that didn't make in the film. We, we went to these headquarters and we went to Susan G. Komen headquarters and we were running around trying to get an interview, essentially snuck into the headquarters, <laughs> as you can see, and they just would not want to talk to us. They've had a lot of trouble. There's another documentary called, I think, Pink Ribbon. Mm -hmm. So they've been called out pretty bad. But we got them on the phone and it was the rep from Susan G. Komen, pretty high up. And our camera ran out, ran out of battery or whatever happened. And it was right when she said, well, YoPlay Yogurt gives us, was it 35 million? 35 million. On the phone. They, they're a big sponsor, but you know, they're very important mm -hmm. to us. And essentially, without saying it, they gave, they gave us 35 million. She even said the actual number. And we didn't have like... You oh, didn't no, have that recorded? No. Yeah. But um, it's, you know, it's well documented. Again, even more than Cowspiracy, the, the link is there. And it's so in your face, too. You go on their corporate sponsors and then... You know, you're probably going to go into the pharmaceutical story of this whole film and the, the what's going on too, and that's even more scary. Right. So we have uh, American Diabetes Association, funded by Dannon, funded by Kraft, who makes Velveeta, Oscar Mayer, and Lunchables, uh, and funded by Bumblebee. They're the tuna yeah. manufacturer. And, and other processed meat. Right. American Cancer Society, funded by Tyson as well as Yum. Uh, Komen, in addition to YoPlay, KFC, right? Uh, American Heart Association. I mean, it's just, it, it's across the board, beef, poultry, dairy, the fast food industry, processed meat industry. And it's tricky because on the one hand, these organizations do good things, yeah. right? Like I'm not interested in, in just being some kind of insane conspiracy theorist and throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying these are horrible humans. Like this is a systemic problem that compromises the work that they do, but I would imagine that the people that work there are well-intentioned. And, and and I think that's just the same thing with the environmental organizations featured in Cowspiracy. They're really good people doing really, they're, they're doing their absolute best. What they think they're doing is is the best thing they can do for, for everyone who's suffering from these diseases. But I mean, if you could just imagine, imagine the American Lung Association getting money from a cigarette company like Philip Morris. Nobody would think that was okay. People mm -hmm. would be like, that's a huge conflict of interest. Of course, it's gonna it's gonna color what information you put out there. No, nope, that's it's totally unethical. And so then to have these organizations get receive money from you know companies who products are directly linked and associated with the causes of these diseases is a major conflict of interest. And there's no legislation to prevent these kinds of things. No. Or is there is there are there laws in place to make sure that these funding sources are transparent so that the consumer can at least be appraised of this? Yeah, so nonprofit organizations uh, have to declare their their uh, contributions over a certain amount, I believe. And so most of these, I mean, we were able to dig through records and find you know, their corporate partners and their, their corporate sponsors. And so mm -hmm. we can you can actually see their dollar amount. Um, that took actually quite a bit of research, but it's available. And so I, I think everybody should do that with everything. You know, it's something that we kind of got criticized with cowspiracies. Oh, you didn't guys didn't show the numbers that these, you know, environmental organizations getting money from animal ag. And they do. Some of them, you know, for example, in one of Greenpeace's largest contributions on record came from the, you know, somebody who owns 40,000 animals and slaughters them for his restaurant every year. So we we just focused on it more in this film because we realized that that, that does play into people's consciousness. They want to mm -hmm. know. 
you know, how much money are these people getting? And it's, and it's pretty significant. And so when they receive, when these organizations receive these, I mean, how does it, in your mind, like how does this go down? Like on the one hand, is it like some kind of nefarious, you know, cloak and dagger meeting where they're getting money from, you know, Tyson and, and being told like, okay, so you're gonna say nice things about us, right? And you're not gonna like, or is it just sort of understood? Like how does it, what is the functional like mechanism under which this money gets funneled and these companies end up benefiting as a result of these donations? I think it's, I think it's a lot of unspoken sort of stuff, but then there's also just, you know, clearly it, it benefits these organizations to not say anything negative against a company that's given them money. I mean, so Susan G. Komen did uh, a campaign with KFC where they did pink buckets. You So you get fried chicken to fight breast cancer. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like... <laughs> right. I mean, the most... That's that's. There, they actually had like the graphic like um, ribbon like on the buckets. It, they were actual fully pink buckets. They like took a KFC bucket and they were completely pink. Mm. And they raised millions of dollars. I mean, an insane amount of money off of that campaign. So if they're not going to say anything bad about chickens association with cancer, right? No way. Right. Because why would they? Um, and then you know, I think it also is something that with conspiracy as well is that you have to look at what are the people who run these organizations eating as well. And if, if it makes them feel uncomfortable about their own dietary habits, well, there's no way they're going to encourage people to eat differently if they're not willing to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we still, we're on the cusp of a, of a real massive change, or maybe the change has already happened, but there's still this hang up around meat that we have to eat it. Mm-hmm. There's like the, you know, you can't live without it. And as we show in the film, you know, not only can you live and thrive, but we have, you know, ultra athletes like yourself, like David Carter, like uh, Tia Blanco, and professional surfer. We have these unbelievably talented athletes who are pushing their bodies to the next level and they're doing it on a plant-based diet. So it's, we're trying to break down that idea that you have to have to eat this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I feel, especially with in the athlete section, it's, as I think you see this, it's, it's the new secret coming out. And it was so exciting with uh, uh, Nick, the MMA fighter. Diaz. Nick Diaz. Uh-huh. That was the last one when, you know, we were on Joe Rogan. That was, I can't remember if it was on, well, yeah, we were before. during the podcast or before, after, he's like, you know, I totally see you. I'm friends with Rich and mm-hmm. I see this, but I just don't think it'll ever get to that point where, you know, you can be a, you can be a boxer, an MMA, fi- MMA fighter. And I mentioned his brother, uh, um, or it was actually Nate Diaz. Nate. But, yeah, Nate's the one who, who did that big fight and won. And then that happened about two months later. So that, that, that box is now crossed off. Um, but I feel it's the new secret, you know, the, inf- the inflammation and the, the how protein plant protein from plants is the most optimum protein where you, if you're getting it through animal products, it's just recycled protein. You're going directly to the source. And even things like algae oil and sp- spirulina, where does fish get their fish oil, quote unquote? Well, they get it from, from, from the, the algae in the sea will go directly to the source. And so that's kind of what we show in the film too about the whole protein myth and uh, going directly from the source where these huge an- strong animals, the strongest animal on the entire planet pound for pound is a gorilla. Where does he get his protein? Where does he get so strong? Yeah, you guys did a good job of nailing the protein question, um, and the graphics that you used there, I thought were were great. Like you guys did a really good good job with the animation, um, and uh, I think that's going to really help people conceptualize that a little bit better. I mean, I always just say it's eating lower on the food chain, right? But what is exactly what what exactly does that mean? What does that look like? And I think when you when you draw reference or comparison to large land herbivores, you know, the the the, the gorillas and the hippopotamus and the like and say, well, all of these are 
herbivorous animals. They get their their protein from plants. It's easy for somebody to say, well, yeah, but like they have completely different digestive systems and how they process food is different. Like how that's just an invalid comparison. But from what I have come to learn and what other people who know more about this stuff than I do have said to me, and you know, I'm interested in if you you guys know more about this than I do, <clears throat> is that the way that a lot of these animals digest and process uh, starch and glycogen is very different than a human being, but actually the way they metabolize protein is essentially exactly the same. Hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, it's something that we actually talked about while making this is that, because I, I, I get uncomfortable about that. I'm like, well, eat what a gorilla eats. And it's like, well, nah, I can't really eat what a gorilla eats. It's mm-hmm. like, but I can eat a lot closer to what like a chimpanzee eats because they- Or closest relatives. Right, closest living relatives. But you, you know, I think, again, you just look at someone like Patrick Baboumian, you know, who's one of the strongest people on the planet. It's like, this guy eats nothing but plants. It's like, so clearly you can do it. Um, I think it's also too, it's just, see try it try it for 30 days and see how you feel and i think that's where the proof is really at people Mm. they they eat clean they eat smart and they feel better they perform better it's like they their brain is clearer so i think that's a that's a big part of it is just encouraging people to take that step just try it and do more research as in cowspiracy you go beyond the film do your own research look at the anatomy there's this awesome uh diagram of 10 across 10 down from carnivore all the way to frugivore and frugivore is at the very end, I believe, or maybe herbivore is, and it lists the omnivore, carnivore, omnivore down the list. And then it goes down the list about 15 to 20, depending on which one you see, is teeth, throat, stomach, esophagus, uh, intestines, colon, on and on and on. And we fit every single, uh, every single checkbox off of a frugivore. It's actually not an herbivore that we found out while editing. Thankfully, we found that out. And so, is 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 physiology is the physiology lying to us? You know, millions of years of evolution, and to say that all of a sudden we're we're an omnivore, um, it's like a diesel. I'm sure you get the the same analogy: a diesel car and a normal gas car. It, it, it is what it is. And you just look inside us, it's just so clear. And we're pretending that we're an omnivore, but we're not. We're, we're, we are a frugivore. Right. Well, we're certainly not an obligate omnivore. I think, I think human beings have evolved where we, you know, we, can, we can handle a lot of different things, right? You can eat carnivorously. You can eat, omnivore, you can eat like an omnivore. You can eat like an herbivore. Um, and, and we're adaptable. I think we're extremely adaptable in that regard. So it's really a question of like, what is the best way of doing it? Because there's people that just eat nothing but McDonald's or, you know, right. people who eat ice cream, you know, three meals, whatever. Like human beings can withstand for at least a certain period of time, like an improper diet. Yeah, about 45 it, years. <laughs> yeah, then, right. Then they started to have heart that, attacks right? and diabetes and hypertension. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, as we mentioned in the film at the very end, as Keegan started off with, we can eat because we're closest to a chimpanzee. Chimpanzee eats around 5%, um, some more animal protein that even considered insects. But at the time we live in, going back to Calspiracies and that message, we live with 7 billion, moving up to 9 billion people. So when people talk about this paleo diet, it's still, it's, it's a disconnect from what that even mean. What, what a paleo, when you look from that paleo age, what you should, the takeaway you should get from that is they lived, lived within their means mm-hmm. of their environment. 
and not that they might have eaten uh, some rabbits and some deer. They never ate hamburgers or anything like that, but they lived within their environment. So mm-hmm. a true paleo, that should be the spiritual message and the full message of what it means to be a f- true paleo is that you're living with among the means of the society and the times you live in. We don't live 40,000 years ago. And at that time, there's studies coming out. They live to what, 30, 35 years old? And is that the and, goal? And had heart disease. And had heart disease and, and gum disease. And is that the goal is to live, to be, you want to be something that was already been done 30, 40,000 years ago? Or do you want to live in the future of what 30, 40,000 years ago from now looks like, let alone 30 to 40 years? It's becoming more and more clear as we evolve or when you want to ever say transform to this more plant-based society. I want to live in the future. I don't want to be turning around the past. If you do turn around the past, this paleo, realize what that truly means. I also think that it's incumbent upon us as conscious, compassionate consumers to broaden the definition of health to include planetary health and social health and community health. Like when people talk about health, they're just like, what do I need for me? Like, it's all about me and my personal interests. And like, I wanna perform at my best. And so what is, I'm gonna make all my decisions based upon that selfish regard. Uh, But I think we really need to be a little bit more expansive about that and understand that we share this planet and that those choices that we're making impact others. But the beautiful thing is when you make the choice that is optimal for your personal health, it actually checks the box that's optimal for planetary health. It's almost like nature rigged it up that way. It's like, duh, come on, like just do this. It's good for everybody. Why is it so hard for you to see that? And I think the film does a, a you know a really nice job at at demonstrating that. And when you take these two these two films together, um, you know it's like they're the perfect bookends to this message. And then the film, what we explore in the film, I don't think other too many other health films, if any, really do is how it got to be that way, um, why we've gotten to this point, and then to realize that we've been been manipulated from these terrible industries. We're essentially puppets of the pharmaceutical industry and the meat and dairy industry that kills seventy billion animals every single year, not even counting the humans it killed, then once you realize you're essentially a puppet of this industry, to be liberated and released from that is the most incredible feeling, let alone the health impacts personally. But, you know, your whole world, your aura just kind of opens up to include everything. And it's just a great, so many bonuses that when I first went vegan, I didn't know what happened. And they just kind of all opened up. Right. So instead of being just a battery for the matrix, you can actually uh, make conscious decisions for yourself. And I want to talk about the the pharmaceutical component of this, which is sort of bifurcated between all the pharmaceuticals that go into the animal products that we're consuming and the implications of that on health. It's like 80% of all antibiotics go to animal agriculture. And then secondarily, uh, this explosion of pharmaceutical intake to treat the symptoms of these diseases that we're contracting as a result of the poor dietary choices that we're making. Yeah. I mean, as, as Robert Martin, who was, you know, was a chair of the Pew Commission on Industrial Agriculture, Animal Agriculture, he talked about is that, you know, we're, we're on the verge of antibiotics not working, you know, post-antibiotic era in medicine, where literally all antibiotics that we use today could be obsolete because we've so abused them both how we fed them to non-human animals, you know, 80% of all antibiotics sold in the U.S. go to livestock, but also how we're constantly consuming them ourselves and we're just a constant exposure and that we're we're seeing these superbugs coming out, you know, mm. the, the swine flu and the avian flus. These are coming out of factory farms. And so people are literally dying. And then things like, you know, MRSA, these, you know, 
infections that aren't treatable by antibiotics that people are dying from constantly in hospitals, well, these stem from animal agriculture. They, they can actually now trace, and it's a really exciting thing that we, again, didn't cover in the film, is that they can actually now trace, they did it in Taiwan, the, the strains of bacteria to their original sources in these farms. And they actually mm. found this, you know. Like patient zero. Patient zero, and they're coming out of factory farms, you know, coming out of chicken farms and pig farms in particular. So that's another huge aspect of it, is that the pharmaceutical industries, they have, they they like the animal agriculture industry. Of they course. produce a huge amount of these drugs. If 80% of the antibiotics they're producing are going to that industry, they're, they're, they're gonna wanna make sure that that's gonna continue to grow and expand. And then you eat those products, and what are you going to need to do? You're going to need to take more pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And so from that, we started, when we looked at the corporate sponsors of these health organizations, American Cancer Society, Diabetes Association, Heart Association, well, not only are they getting money from, you know, millions from animal agriculture industry, but they're getting even more money from pharmaceutical companies. I mean, some of the their biggest donors are Pfizer and, and Merck and these massive international pharmaceutical companies. So of course they're not gonna talk about solutions. They're gonna talk about, hey, what drugs can you take? What, what, what some of our buddies over at Pfizer, what can they do for you or your diabetes? Instead of saying, hey, well, maybe if you change your lifestyle, you wouldn't have to take those drugs. So there's again, this massive conflict of, of interest that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was that one. You were gonna. You were on your way into a into a hospital to interview a surgeon, and like a rep from the hospital came out and said, "That's no bueno. It's not going to happen." Uh, and here's why, <laughs> and explained like. So the craziest thing about that is that that happened more than once. That that happened on phone calls with hospitals because you know, were we're doing a film on health. So clearly, and I'm the director of photography, I've got to get shots of us in the hospitals. We've got to get as much hospital footage as possible. And hospital after hospital wouldn't allow us to film. And they would say it. I mean, we had I had two different reps tell me on the phone, we can't be associated with anything that's going to influence the financial standings of this hospital. And we understand that, you know, changing your diet is is beneficial, but I mean, this one, they just said, we just put in a new surgery wing and we can't, you know, we can't have you prom promoting something that goes against what the hospital's doing. We can, yeah, yeah, that one woman said it basically point blank. Like, we cannot go on the record and talk about ways of avoiding surgical procedures because essentially we make our money on surgical procedures. Yeah, so this is working at cross purposes with our bottom line and yeah. it's just no, it's not gonna work for us, which is insane because basically they're saying, yeah, we can't get behind anything that's gonna promote health in a preventative context because that's just not what we do. So they're in the business and so of making money. So how could we be more clear yeah. you know, about where the real agenda is and what is really going on. And then when we finally did get into a hospital, they stayed very close to us because I poked my head in. Had the, we both had cameras, I think, but we poked our head in this cafeteria because knowing most people have gone to a cafeteria know how terrible it is. And whoa, we almost got kicked out right there. Do you like, roll you in? Do you get releases first or you roll in oh, just yeah. with film, oh, yeah. with cameras on? No, and like, how to, do you, what's to, the protocol? The the hospital that did allow us to film was amazing that they allowed us to film. But yeah, they had a there was a PR person with us the entire mm -hmm. time. And it's actually when we were leaving because we, we showed up a little bit early, Kip went and checked out the cafeteria and it's in the morning and it's just bacon and eggs and sausage. I mean, it's just all processed meat and animal products. I don't think there was, was there even any plant foods? Mm -hmm. And so when we're leaving, the PR person's leading us out. Kip said, hey, I'm just gonna run and grab some shots real quick at the cafeteria. And she's literally stood in front of him and said, no, no, you're not. He's like, yeah. no, no, I just, just gonna get a few shots. We just need a few shots. She said, no. 
there's no way you're going to film the cafeteria. And it's like, why wouldn't you want us to film the cafeteria if you don't think there's anything wrong with it? Why wouldn't you would say, oh, of course, yeah, get some shots of our healthy, nutritious food that's healing people's bodies. And the sad thing is, is again, these I'm, I, don't, I don't think the film demonizes anybody because I think there are really good people, but they have interest to protect and that's their financial stake. And Yeah, if these are systemic problems, yeah. you know, you have you have that great conversation with Steve-O too, who's also a podcast <laughs> guest. I didn't have him on the list, but yeah, he went to like a, an American Diabetes Association buffet or lunch or fundraiser or whatever. Go kart racing. Had, yeah, they had like all that kind of food, right? Yeah. And he just like I remember when that happened because he made a big stink on social media and he took pictures of it and he's like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And you know, Joel Kahn and Garth Davis both are really great about um, documenting that stuff when they go to these conferences and these symposiums where you know there's a bunch of speakers on a specific health-related topic, but they have their big breakfast and it's bacon and eggs and the whole thing. And Steve-O says his, his, his uh, funny quote that he had that happened after that happened, he said, serving chicken at American Diabetes Association is like serving alcohol at an AA. At an AA convention <laughs> or meeting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and it just shows, it goes to show you how incestuous and insidious, you know, these sort of overlapping interests are, and the and and really the people that ultimately end up paying are the consumers, and we're end up paying we're paying with our lives and with our health, and you 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 know you have that I can't is it Dr. Clapper I think it is who talks about all the farm you know sort of medications that everybody is on. Or it's, I think it's Dr. Esselstyn as well, maybe it's both of them who are talking about, yeah, here's all the pills, but these are not getting at the causal elements of these disease. They're just, they're treating symptomology. These are drugs that are designed for people to take their entire life that are being administered by doctors saying, this is what you're gonna be doing from now on with the message that this is going to um, prevent that stroke or prevent that heart attack. And there's really no indication that that's actually true. It helps sort of keep certain things in check, but you're not really getting at what's causing this problem that led you to this place in the first place. Because otherwise you wouldn't have to take the rest of your life. It's like they sell Band-Aids if someone's banging their head against the wall and you have to put a Band-Aid on and take all these drugs and they just they just mention all what Band-Aids and what, what uh, healing methods of, of pharmaceuticals you take rather than like just stop banging your head against the wall. Mm-hmm but they don't want to tell us how dare you (laughs) yeah you can't you can't ask people to do that right (laughs) well so that's that's something you want to talk about the american heart association (laughs) so something we we didn't put into the film we finally got an email back from this is pretty recently from the american heart association about you know why because they weren't getting back to us about doing an interview they weren't you know basically just saying no no when you when you petition these organizations to interview like what is the pitch like do you tell them like hey we're the people behind cowspiracy and we're going to we're going to be talking about you guys regardless and you if you want to be on record with your side or do you just play it really low key it's kind of interesting cuz it's the first time we've you know a follow up film so first we I think we had an assistant do it, and that's a, that's interesting. The thing about American Cancer Society is why we were so shocked by that. Is I don't think we gave them our name. We just mentioned that diet was going to be part of the interview, but then as we so you see in the film, it was really really hard to get interviews to the point where it was impossible. And then we said, well, how's Michael Moore? You know, honestly, you know, he's definitely like him or not, he's, he's incredible. Gets stuff out and he gets these interviews. And then we said, we just need to tell them the truth because no matter what, we're going to talk about you and tell what's happening. So why don't you, here's your chance to defend yourself. Just say, it's difficult to tell this message because people don't want to hear it, but we're just going to do our best. 
but still, you know, they just just do not want to say it. So American Cancer, American Heart Association finally gets back to us with our, because we gave them all the questions. These are the questions. Mm-hmm. And their response was basically to some to the extent of, and this is like their official response, which I guess we'll probably put out eventually, which was, <laughs> we recognize that, that meat is a common feature in the American diet. And therefore, we try to encourage people to eat wisely. It's like, what, what does that mean? We yeah, recognize that, like that people... by like a publicist yeah, or a lawyer. We right? recognize that people smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes, so therefore we're going to just uh, tell people to live consciously. Like, no, 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 no. You understand that people are doing detrimental things to their health. As a health organization, you have an obligation to, to encourage people to not do those detrimental things to their health. So, it, again, it's just, it's like, yeah, we understand that people do this and and nothing's going to change. It's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, of course nothing's going to change unless you tell them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really, it's, it's an information battle. It's just getting this information out there. Because mm-hmm. Kip and I both are in a place where we don't want to tell people how to live their lives. It's not about dictating behavior to anybody. It's about let people make up their own minds. Just present the information. And, and that's what I really want to see from these organizations is not for them to all of a sudden come out with this huge vegan message. It's like, though that would be amazing. Just come out with the information. Just present it and say, here are the things that you can do. Here are the things that are negative, And then let people make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. Definitely, though, promoting bad behavior is not something they should be doing. And some right. exciting things. The movie hasn't even come out. And we're not sh- positive that this is because they saw the trailer or there's been buzz about the film coming out. And uh, the American Diabetes Association, just about two weeks ago, I don't even know, if, did we talk about this, Keegan? They, they put out a statement that, that a plant following a plant-based diet could be the, the best opportunity for, for disease reversal and prevention. Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, ironically, just, you know, uh, Is that weeks. like a press release or is that on their website or what? How? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Did a, they did it on their website. Uh, hmm. And I think they, you know, they had talks about it because if you watch the trailer, he's in it and he's the head, the chief uh, medical advisor. Uh, oh, he, the guy that you interview in the movie? Yeah. Right. And then oh, also, the guy got all skeezed out and ran away? Yeah. And it looks wow. <laughs> and right when he t- he's ran, like the chief medical, sci- yeah, medical scientific officer. And, and it's sci- so funny officer. is we always thought that would happen in Cowspiracy, someone running out because it's kind of what you want to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like dramatically. Right yeah. when he happens, like, you just made the trailer, you know that. Like, that's what a lot of these uh-huh. like, it's for the advice to anybody who's ever doing an interview don't pick, get up and throw your mic off like it's just the worst thing you could do for it's the greatest thing yeah. you could do for well, the directors it, it, what's, what's great in that scene too is how like kip's like because you're like all right this is happening this is awesome and you're like your agenda obviously is to try to perpetuate this and keep this going as long as possible and the only way to do that is to maintain your cool your calm and your cool you know, and, and it, what was amazing is you squeezed like at least an extra 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds out of that guy because he was out of there. Well, it's so funny. He's like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about diet. And then he says, these studies have eventually, these studies, have, I've mentioned some studies that are that are in Europe and they've been peer reviewed. These studies haven't been peer reviewed. Well, actually, this NIH study from Europe has been peer reviewed. Well, I haven't seen it. Well, I can show you. I don't have time for this. Like I'm actually wanting to show. Wouldn't you, it's just so bizarre. This is actually well. His nervousness is just an indication oh, that he he knows exactly what you're talking about, and yeah. he's you know he realizes that talking about that is at odds with organizational goals, right? And and whatever he knows personally, which is the 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 mission statement of the American Diabetes Association is to find uh, a cure for diabetes. That's that's their goal. So when 
So when someone comes into your office and says, hey, I have these studies, multiple studies that say that there is a way to prevent and reverse diabetes, you would think they'd be, oh my gosh, let me see those studies. Like, how did this go under our radar? Like, how did we miss this? This should be, you know, the forefront on our website. No, the response was, I'm done with this interview. I'm taking my mic off and I'm leaving. And this is, that was 20 minutes into a two hour interview. Like we had two hours blocked out. So he could have spent the next hour and a half reading through the study if he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what's so exciting. Just in a few weeks ago, they came out with that. Again, don't know yeah. if it's from the film, Buzz that's coming out. The other thing that happened while in production, to show that the change can happen and is happening, uh, the American Cancer Society, they removed almost all of their processed meat. I think there still might be one, but and they actually contacted us oh, and they said, we, oh, are, wow. we are removing this. And, and they actually said, that's thank great. you for pointing this out. So giving props to them. And again, even from Cowspiracy, people say, you know, it's been what now, two, almost three years. At any time, Greenpeace and these Sierra Club, they'll put information out. We always post it. Um, we thought it'd come a lot longer, uh, a lot. We thought it'd happen a lot faster with these organizations by now. It's happening a little bit slower, except in Europe, kind of jumping back to Cowspiracy, it's exciting to see uh, this Greenpeace Spain, Greenpeace Sweden, they're starting to send the message out all over Europe, but the U.S. is just holding tight on these environmental groups, but already before the film is even come out, what the health, already have American Cancer Society changing some policy, the American Diabetes Association coming out with this. So I feel with this film... And it's, again, just it feels like perfect timing. You just can't hide the truth. And with Dr. Oz just saying this last week, did I was you hear just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vegan, the biggest movement of 2017, Dr. Oz, like how mainstream. The, yeah, the vegan movement is the number one sort of trend for 2017 yeah, coming weird. out of Dr. Oz. And it's easy to like be like, well, Dr. Oz fluff or whatever. But like that guy has a huge impact on, you know, sort of cultural awareness. Like it's significant that he would say that. And that has has you know a profound impact on how people conceptualize and, and think about this lifestyle, and I think a point that we haven't brought up too—it's a, a big part in the film—is why don't we know this? Why doesn't our doctors know this? Because it's in the film, quote unquote. Because the doctors never told us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michelle McMahon talks about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and they've just never been taught this in school. The entire how many we we're looking up research and surprising we couldn't find how many hours it takes to get how many hours of schooling they have because there's so many different variables mm-hmm. of you know doing internships and all that they don't have a total of four to eight hours yeah that's about of nutrition of what hundreds if not thousands of hours they just don't know it. and then everyone looks to their doctor to tell them like uh i mean of my family i have difficulty in that where my doctor told me this. I'm like, well, your doctor doesn't know about nutrition. Right, like we, we've just sort of divested all our decision-making and our power over our doctor with the assumption that like, well, they went to medical school, they know everything, right. you know? And, and we abdicate responsibility for our own choices and to really realize like, hey, not only do they not know, like they don't have, you know, like zero education, essentially zero education on nutrition throughout their medical school experience is kind of eye-opening. And, you know, kind of further complicating it and obfuscating the truth is the fact that you have not only this, you know, overlapping of, you know, funding that's compromising these organizations, these these health organizations, you have the USDA, and which is this quasi-governmental organization <clears throat> that is not only uh, less than transparent about the truth, but is actually promoting unhealthy untruths on the public by virtue of its 
dietary guidelines. And this is something that the film explores as well. And it's I've talked about this on the podcast before, but maybe kind of explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so the USDA puts out the uh, dietary guidelines for Americans every five years. And it's put together by this committee. And the committee is made up of people who work or have received money from fast food industry, from sugar industry, from Anheuser-Busch, from every single uh, livestock industry, chicken and eggs and pork and, and cow. We think of it as a government organization, but it's not really. It's an industry organization that gets federal funding, and that's the, the truth of it. And so they put out these dietary you know guidelines, which is what Americans, you know, the food pyramid that a lot of people are pyramid. Familiar. Yeah, now mm-hmm. it's the plate. Um, and they've always had, up until now, which is the my plate, they always had meat and dairy. Now dairy's a section on there and they have protein, which I think is smart. Like, yeah, we, we need protein mm-hmm. in our diets. How much protein do we actually need? Well, probably less than 50 grams a day, but we, you know, it, it's, it's there. Um, and so, but these people, they, they literally, their mission of the USDA is to promote agriculture. That's why it was started, was to promote farmers and to promote their products. And so of course they've got to promote eating animal products because that's part of their mission. Another aspect, though, of the USDA is that they have federal checkoff programs, which is something that we learned about while making the film. Dave Simon, who wrote Meatonomics, is amazing on that. Is These federal checkoff programs are uh, federal programs that the industries have to pay money into. So it's the dairy checkoff program, the beef, pork, all the animal agriculture. And that's regulated by the U.S. government, and they use that money to then promote the product. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. like the Incredible Edible Egg, the, you know, Pork Be Inspired, all those campaigns, those are all federally funded dollars or federally managed dollars. And even beyond that, when you see things that we didn't, I don't think I knew this before when we were making the film, when you see the cheese-stuffed crust from Pizza Hut or whatever, that's a federally, federally supported program. And it's absolutely insane. Unbelievable. Basically, these all of these organizations are paying into a giant pool uh, that goes to the federal government that then acts like a marketing and advertising agency for these companies. So on the one hand, it's absolutely staggering and mind boggling to me that that these industries can advertise in public venues like schools that you can see posters for milk does a body good in a high school like under what you know, sort of understanding of law and propriety, does it make sense that an industry gets to advertise in a public school? It's crazy, right? And then to realize that it doesn't stop there, but it spills into these other television commercials, like what you were saying with, oh, we got to get consumers more interested in cheese. This this turns into the cheesy crust and the pizza hut. And, and like, that's part of this checkoff program that is essentially government sponsored, and it's and it's actually legally it's considered government speech. Then, so to eat, what more, does that mean? Though? It means that that it's it's actual our government telling us to eat more beef, eat more cheese, drink more milk. So when they yeah the the stuffed crust pizza or a pound of cheese, they literally had a campaign with Pizza Hut. I think Pizza Hut was like what twenty million dollars to put a pound of cheese on their pizzas. And so then when when that does well, then every other pizza company says, yeah, cool, we're going to put more so wait cheese. a minute. So walk me through how that works. So what is the go- what is the actual like government involvement in that decision making and sort of crafting that campaign and who's getting the money? 
So as you said, these industries pay into this big pool. And then there's government employees who see how that money is allocated, how that money is spent. And they spend it primarily on advertisement. That's where most of it goes. It's anything to promote the industry. Mm -hmm. And so then they can give that money to anyone they want. They can give it to industries. They can give it to companies themselves and say, hey, promote our products. The best, so the best see, story, the best example of this we have in the film, we did it in a kind of funny way, is that McDonald's employs six people, I believe full-time, six people around a table, and their sole job is to figure out how to put more dairy products into their into their, into their food. Mm-hmm. And so we did a little yeah, funny thing. Little, on, like, I mean, can you imagine thing? spending yeah. eight, 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 you know, eight hours a day? Like, how can we put more cheese in this, the triple Mac, double, triple cheese? quadruple bacon cheeseburger oh, uh-huh. good one so you see these bizarre ones that come out anytime you see a bizarre new product realize it could be a federally funded program it's just bizarre and then when people you know you have so many carnivores and my friends who i love meat i uh, it's like you're being taken you're being taken you know subliminally you don't even realize that you're a puppet so when you think that you want these things you really you know that's what they want you to think that you have control of of I want me and it's like really no you don't is that you've been you've been being triggered by marketing so when you see like that Pizza Hut commercial where they're pulling up the piece of pizza and you can see the the cheese coming out of the crust and it's all looking you know super you know luscious and all of that that television commercial is in part like you would look at that and say well Pizza Hut is paying for that the production of that television commercial and is doing the ad buy that's capitalism that's just the way it goes but are you saying that actually government funds are contributing to the production and the ad buy of that television commercial? So they might not be involved in the actual ad buy for that company, but they'll be involved in the promotion of that product. So they might go to Pizza Hut and say, hey, we want you to use more cheese. We'll give you $20 million to mm-hmm. yeah, add a pound of cheese to every pizza that you sell. And so Pizza Hut says, yeah, of course we're gonna right. take your $20 million. Where you when you see ads, so like, you know, pork be inspired that ad will say at the bottom of it uh paid for by the pork checkoff program and so or brought to you by the pork checkoff program mm-hmm. so they'll and that's an actual government that's a government commercial that's it's uh, like state-sponsored media it's exactly that <laughs> the, right. o- the only good thing it should be clear uh, is that the w- only good thing is that our tax dollars do not pay for it well so there is a percentage it's, of it it's being cycled from the industry itself right, right? Yeah. yeah but the the federal employees are getting our tax dollars so the mm-hmm. people who oversee yeah, so all of it in some ways so but yeah i mean again it's these and just are, to give you some context of the scope of this i mean there's some statistics that you guys run through in the movie i think you say like 50 million dollars uh of Dairy industry. Dairy industry spends fifty million dollars on public school advertising yeah. here. It's a lot of posters. That's <laughs> insane. Uh, and this checkoff program is five hundred and fifty-seven million dollars annually. So this is these are not like small things. And like the tobacco industry is what they used to do. The, the, there's so many similarities to the tobacco industry in this film and what's going on with the. the uh, mean dairy industry and health is that the film was going to be called secondhand eating, like secondhand smoking. But another similar thing that they do that the tobacco industry did is get them while they're young. Uh, most people know, or maybe they don't, that dairy is addicting. There's the casomorphine is in it, derived from mm-hmm. casein. In the human breast milk, there's around four grams of casein in human breast milk, they think, because it has casomorphine in it, so your baby will go back to you. Well, a cow is trying to raise a, a calf to the size, you know, eventually a thousand pound animal as quickly as it can, so it has around upwards of 26 grams of casein. 
So it's literally there's casomorphine in this. So what do you do? You hook them while they're young. So a big part of their program, the milk program and all these things is uh, targeting young people. Same thing Joe Camel did. Mm-hmm. So the parallels are just, it's incredible how many parallels are to these two industries. The great news is that they're both falling apart. This just happened to be about 30 years after the tobacco industry, but really see it falling apart right now. Yeah, I mean, the... the the dairy industry is so aware of this, this get them while they're young, that there's actually, there's the Women, Infants, and Children program, WIC, which is a, a federal food subsidy program. It's basically like food stamps. And it's historically has been really heavy on cheese. Cheese and milk is like a big part of the WIC package. And when there was an initiative to introduce fruits and vegetables into the WIC package, mm-hmm. the dairy industry came out against that. They said, mm-hmm. no way, you're not gonna put fruit and vegetables into the women, infants, and children health program. Right. It's gonna be our products because that's how, it's, they don't care about your health. They're really, they just wanna promote their products. And, mm-hmm. and again, get them while they're young, get children hooked on this stuff. Yeah, it's super intense. Uh, and you see it in the in the cheeseburger laws too, which are another like pro- prophylactic move to try to prevent what, what ultimately did you know, happened to the tobacco industry, which is that they became responsible for gigantic, uh, <clears throat> you know, gigantic lawsuit um, demands that to the tune of, you know, I don't know, trillions of dollars, yeah. right? Billions, trillions? Trillions. A lot. So to prevent that with animal agriculture interests, they have the cheeseburger laws. Basically says you can't sue uh, and claim that these products made you unhealthy because you should just know that they're unhealthy. Well, right? that's, that's <laughs> directly from the tobacco industry. I mean, right, straight up. So. But I mean, the 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 wild thing about it is that these laws are called their the model template legislation was the Common Sense Consumption Act. Mm-hmm. It's like common sense. You should know better. You should have the common sense to know that these products are bad for you. Therefore, you can't hold us responsible. Right. But then out of the other side of your, their mouth, saying these aren't bad for you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So which which way is it? Data yeah. is our product. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's super interesting when you kind of unpack, um, you know, where everybody's bread is buttered, uh, pun intended, with all this kind of stuff. And that's something you explored also with um, the egg lobby and, and, you know, kind of what happened with Hampton Creek, which was a big news story. So, you know, maybe you know, there's probably some people listening that, that don't know what transpired with that. But I think that that sheds a light, you know, a pretty, a pretty strong light on kind of how heightened this is and how very real it is. Yeah, so Hampton Creek is a egg alternative company makes uh, just mayo and, egg. and yeah, a bunch of egg alternatives mm-hmm. and plant-based egg alternatives. And they're so successful that the industry saw them as a major threat. And so right. healthier and cheaper. Healthier and cheaper. And they were safer. getting in all the stores. Right. Like they were really getting market share. And I think what what, what was sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but what I didn't realize is what a gigantic industry like mayonnaise is. It's the number oh, one no. condiment, right? Like I don't know what the numbers are on it, but it's massive. Yeah. Mm. And so a, so an Hampton Creek, this one company poses a threat to their entire industry. And so uh, attorney Jeffrey Light and researcher uh, Ryan Shapiro, who's just total badass when it comes to Freedom of Information Act request, uncovered documents from the Egg Board showing internal emails where they talked about how Hampton Creek is a major threat. And then they joke in their emails, and these are government employees, government email so addresses. Perfect <laughs> quote from them. <laughs> they joke about killing Josh Tetrick, the CEO of Hampton Creek, which is just, I mean, it's, it's unfathomable. This is this is a private company 
and these are government employees and they're so threatened by a private company that they they will literally will joke about killing him uh and that's something we, we talk about just briefly in the film we wanted to go more in depth because it's it's not an exaggeration to say that you know this is an industry that has the personality of the national rifle association this is these are serious people who who have serious ties uh and again, it's that this is all stuff that's happening behind the scenes. Where so when people see the ad for a product, they don't realize how much went into that or how much was behind it. And that's something we really want to achieve with the film. Mm-hmm. What's what's the solution here, guys? You know what I mean? Like like you watch that, and it's easy for your heart to just sink and say this 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 whole thing is so compromised. Like our food system is so compromised by special interests that are at odds with our health and the the sort of transparency that we deserve as citizens of a free country how do we rectify this like what is the path forward i feel even more than cowspiracy cowspiracy is almost so overwhelming how it affects the environment how global it is where at least this film you realize you do have the power A for me. You know, if I have diabetes or my family member does, okay, first I start with my family and I find this information in this film or elsewhere, then it can impact the family. And then you find out about a community and then you can find out about, you know, starting change.org. One of our big goals is after the film is to really make sure they start putting warning labels on hot dogs and processed meat so that if you're feeding your child uh, deli meat or a hot dog, it'll literally be considered child abuse. And that's something that real is very realistic to 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 happen whereas the environmental you know the environmental impacts from it, it's a little bit more murky of how to about to go about that and how overwhelming this is where this is you know getting information out to my family my friends my loved ones and then to see that this is i just feel this is happening already a lot faster than the environmental um movement in a way yeah it, it's interesting that that there is so little transparency in this industry and we could talk about you know ag gag laws and we've talked about that before you know not being allowed to photograph what goes on but essentially to come into this understanding of the extent to which these animal products are rife with hormones and antibiotics and you know whatever other pesticides and toxins that are part and parcel with the way these animals are raised and slaughtered and packaged when you purchase that product at the grocery store, there's no indication of any of that. You don't know whether, I mean, yeah, there's, you can get the sort of certified organic labels and, and, and whatnot, and some of those have been compromised already. But it seems to me that we as consumers, if somebody's gonna purchase that product, that they have a right to know exactly the sort of nutritional sort of breakdown of everything that is in that food product you know, beyond just the animal product itself, but everything else that went into that. Why is that not law? And how can we make sure that that becomes law? Yeah, well, so in California, there is a law that says that you have to uh, say if your product causes cancer. So there's, if you live in California, you've probably seen it places, you know, this product is known by the state of California to uh, increase the chance of cancer or contains carcinogens. So in California, now that we know officially that, you know, meat, processed meat, and but particularly charred chicken is carcinogenic. Well, there should be at, there should be warning labels. And actually, PCRM did a campaign and and got Burger King to start putting. This was a few years ago, but start putting warning labels in their restaurants that said, you know, this chicken is known to be carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. That should be law, though. But you also really, <laughs> I mean, 
I think it's about information, yeah. Let people know. But there is, there's so much other stuff, like that you said about, well, people will, will go organic then. Like, well, I, I don't want all those hormones, I don't want all these pesticides and things like that. But something that we found out while making the film that I was totally shocked by is things like dioxins or strontium-90, radioactive pollutants. 93% of our exposure to dioxins, which are the most toxic substance known to science, we get through eating animal products. And that doesn't matter if it's organic or conventional is because dioxins go around the planet. You know, highest concentration of dioxins are in, you know, the Arctic communities of, of the far north because these these chemicals go around the world. And that doesn't make a difference, again, if you're eating organic dairy or, or organic, you know, animal products of any kind, you're still going to get that. And the same thing with strontium-90, this, you know, unstable radioactive pollutant goes around the world and it, it binds to, to proteins, and so it climbs up in the food chain, so it binds to the plant proteins. Cow is going to eat, you know, 100 pounds of food a day, and then it binds to her tissues, it binds to her milk, and then we're consuming that. And how is that that we don't know that? How is it that every mother who's then passing that onto their infants in their breast milk, how do they not know that? And why aren't they warned about that? And that that's part of the thing that, that really is disturbing to me is the fact of what's happening to children and children have they have no say in it and they have no knowledge of what's being done to them and it's, and it's not because their parents are you know horrible people it's because their parents weren't told and and i think that's where it really has to start is about education well when you, yeah when you say weren't told it's like we don't even have how are they supposed to be told if the information is not readily available well there's it's this not... amazing documentary called what the health coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what and what, what's interesting about uh, about the dachshunds is is a male a male cannot get rid of dachshunds in any way, and for a female the only way she it's dachshunds uh, the only way a female can get rid of dachshunds is through her breast milk or having a baby or having a baby, mm -hmm. and so that was a big surprise. Keegan and I knew most of this information in the film, uh, you know, probably about eighty percent of it. The big surprise making the film is how much we didn't realize babies were impacted pregnant mothers and, and toddlers never really thinking about like wow they're the ones that are most affected by this you know the the cell growth and the development like that's the time people are worried oh i'm pregnant now so i can't be vegan that is the absolute time you have to be vegan if you're not vegan uh, you know, the rest of the time, if anything, why are you having a child in those first two, three years of development for that child? Um, that's probably the most crucial time because that's when these, all these things that you mentioned, the pesticides and the hormones and the dioxins, um, you know, can manifest later in life. Yeah. You hear that a lot too. Like, well, you know, I want to be vegan, but like, I'm just going to have like a little, I'm, I'm going to have some fish, you know what I mean? Because they're, they're so afraid of whether it's the protein issue or the omega-3s or whatever they've heard, like out of nothing but like fear alone, they will resort to that. And you kind of explore the fish thing too. Like, of course, it depends on what kind of fish and how high up on the food chain the fish you're eating is. But fish are like these batteries that store these toxins and the mercury in, a, in very concentrated amounts. So in certain respects, they could actually be the worst option for you to resort to. Yeah. I mean, just the just the mercury alone. It's like if that can't scare people off. I mean, the fact that you know you can't eat, you can only eat so much fish before you start to have mercury problems. Especially, you know, again, like the higher up on the food chain, the salmon's and the bigger fish like that. So, yeah, these these ideas that we we kind of try and touch on every aspect, all of the the you know health foods like chicken, like oh, chicken's a better option than beef. Well, actually, no, it's not really. You know, it has just as much, virtually just as much cholesterol as 
as beef does. And people go to that, they, oh, I have high cholesterol, so I just eat chicken. Right, now. they eat a lot more of yeah, it than they would because exactly. they're not afraid of it. Or, yeah. Right. So it's we, we try and touch on all of it, but again, it, the film is just a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of kind of resources for people, like you did, you guys did such an amazing job with Cowspiracy. You could go to the website and it's just like, boom, like there's all this information there and all these links and everything is super backed up by this study and that study. Like it's just totally vetted, right? Are you guys doing the same thing for this? I mean, yeah. you, you better have your house in order, right? Because you, you're going to ruffle some yeah, feathers with this it. thing. Yeah, we people are going to be coming at you. We have a whole facts page. And it is important to realize when people are want to find out this information on their own. There could be there could be a film with the exact, and we've mentioned this a few times, but for every study that we have in the film, you could probably find one or two, the exact opposite. But then who funds those stories, where it comes back to, where it comes back to, what is the true information? Um, but we do have a very solid source page coming from reputable sources. They're all peer-reviewed studies. And then the, mm-hmm. more you, the more you look into it, it's just such common sense. Like the real common sense is, like they said, the common sense um, act is, the real common sense is that a plant-based diet is the most healthy and every, for every reason it makes the most sense. Yeah, and, and it's, not a, it's not a movie where you're trying to shock people with like really graphic stuff. Well, there is the pus thing. You do yeah, show that part. That's one. pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I d- had never seen before. And I have a very low tolerance for like watching that kind of stuff on film. But beyond beyond that one instance, which is important for people to understand, like I didn't know that either. That was like ghastly to see that. And maybe we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, it's not it's not about shock value. It really is about education. And And, and one of the other things that, I feel like we glossed over a minute ago that I wanted to make sure that we talked about a little bit is extrapolating upon this idea of personal health to community health. And you kind of profile these people that live in a North Carolina town where there's some hog farms and and kind of what that's doing to the community uh, and the impact that this kind of farming tends to have on lower income, uh, lower income people. And of course, that then becomes like a civil rights issue. Yeah. I mean, so there's a there's a term environmental racism, which is that you see higher percentages of polluting industries in communities of color. And it's because those people are underrepresented in government. And so they don't have a strong of a voice or their voice isn't heard. And so it's easier to get away with abuses. And we see that absolutely in the animal agriculture industry. You can look at a place like Duplin County, North Carolina, which has the highest concentration of pig farms almost anywhere in the world. And it's predominantly black and Latino. And it's for that very reason is that they know they can get away with this stuff or they think they can get away with this stuff. When you say get away, get, what are they getting away with? So these these farms, pig farms, you know, factory farm pig farms, what they do is they keep animals in extreme confinement. They live in these sheds, which you know they call barns, but they're really just warehouses with slatted floors. The animals defecate. It falls through these slats on the floors, gets pumped out into these giant waste lagoons or these basically ponds of just liquid the most foul mm-hmm. stuff you could ever imagine, and then it's sprayed out onto fields, and it's sprayed out with these giant water cannons. And so it's this misted, just the most disgusting thing you could ever imagine, and the smell is unbelievable. And they are spraying this stuff onto people's houses, they're spraying it into water. And there's no laws about how you sort of dispense with the, the, the byproduct of all of these hogs? This is organic fertilizer, man. That's that's organic nutrients. Yeah, there's the guy who's like uh, who said something like, "There's as many hogs in North Carolina as there are people." Yeah, but each hog produces eight to ten times the the sort of fecal matter that a human being does, and there's no kind of system for how we're 
uh, managing all of this, right? So it ends up in these just disgusting pools that essentially are essentially the entire. We have the the animation, the entire eastern seaboard. Imagine every single human in the entire eastern seaboard of America, all defecating, peeing and taking shits in little North Carolina. And so it really affects me because my dad's from North Carolina. I'm from Virginia. And I grew up swimming in all these rivers. And not only can you not swim in them, the very next day, that we were only there three or four days, the very next day after our interviews, that's when the film, the entire river that was right there was just laid out with thousands and thousands and thousands of dead fish, let alone you can't swim in there. These are fish that are dying on a you know sometimes daily basis. And it's so sad because it's, I feel the most beautiful state, probably, mm-hmm. probably the most beautiful state in this entire country. And it's just being wiped out. It's so sad. And these hog farms, I would presume, are kind of under contract to the big, you know, big... Smithfield. Yeah, or... like those sort of, they loan them the money to build these warehouses, right? And then and then the farmers are sort of indebted to them in that kind of servitude. I think Food Inc. explored yeah. that issue yeah. pretty thoroughly. They're, they're contract growers is what right. they're called. Uh-huh. And yeah. I cringe, I cringe so much more than anything because my family, they're, you know, they they... Most of them, they eat meat, and uh, my friends even still. But it's when I see the bacon, this whole bacon thing that took off, and like I love bacon and bacon. And after going to North Carolina, that's the one thing that really gets to me. That just hurts me in my heart when they see that, and it's they're good people wearing these I love bacon, and they just don't know, and it's so sad. And most likely, every time you have a piece of bacon, it's for for a good chance it's coming from this area. Yeah, they're those those sort of buckets of dead cows piled on top of each other that are in the oh yeah i mean pigs uh in the movie is insane and and it's so prevalent i mean we we were driving all over duplin county and and the southeastern part of north carolina and these these sheds once you start realizing them once you start recognizing what they are they're they're everywhere and you can you can smell them usually more before you can see them and the smells unbelievably bad i mean there's just the flies are in you know (laughs) in insane levels and and again, this is people are f- forced to live there, and people that's people often say like you know, well why don't those people just move? It's like well these people have lived there for five, six, seven generations. They've been there long before this pig industry moved in. It's like so why should they move when this horrible, polluting, needless industry is, is there? Uh, and then yeah, you look at the health impacts of those people living near their farms. They have their higher rates of all kinds of infectious diseases because they're surrounded by they're constantly being bombarded with toxins from their environment from these pig farms Mm -hmm. yeah you have the african-american woman who's kind of coddling her baby telling you about how her neighbors all have cancer and are ill and there's spraying going on in the background and she's like they spray every day we have a picnic on sunday they spray they spray they're always spraying and you could say well she should move or whatever and i'm looking at that i'm like well what is what's in that spray like what is it that she's being exposed to constantly in yeah. her backyard. I mean, heavy metals and just toxins. I mean, it is. Antibiotics. It's, I mean, you everything. Name it. It's the most toxic stuff you can Let ever alone imagine. it's shit and pee. Like, yeah. that's the least of the worries. It's everything that's in there. Yeah, it's really, really. That's most. The toughest time, at least for me, the filming going there. Seeing, again, when you talk about health and realizing health, so many people talk about health. And I, I, I do yoga, and it's the same thing people talk about health and you know oneness and you know true oneness and true health is when when your family's healthy when your community's healthy when someone across the entire planet's healthy and you really when we're living it, in balance symbiotically yeah, with you know our just, environment right and that's the same thing with the paleo thing well real paleo they live in at least in imbalance um 
but you just really see it when you go visit somewhere like North Carolina. It's really sad. Yeah, yeah. It, it put a, a real face on this industry and the, the true victims. You know, clearly, the, the front-line victims are the animals that are being you know, just slaughtered in unimaginable numbers. But then there's a very human face to it. And, and Renee Miller, that resident in Duplin County, I mean, she had, she's lived there her whole life. I think she's third, third generation uh, on that property. They had a well all the way up until the 90s when the pig farms moved in. And now they can no longer use their well because it's so polluted with toxins from the farm that they have to now buy city water. And it's like the thought that you lived in this pristine environment for generations. And now this horrible polluting industry moves in and you've got to buy tap water from the mm. from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the injustice that goes on. And and they know it and it's and the government's there know it, but it's it's about making money. And that's not happening in only North Carolina. And that's one of the th- those things. There's just so much you can put in a film, but not, in Cowspiracy, we go in a little bit of it, and this film a little bit of it. But again, compared to fracking, gets so much attention of how much water it consumes and how much water it pollutes, and you know, destroying these communities. Animal agriculture, compared to fracking, there's no comparison. So this is happening all throughout the Midwest. You look at the Gulf of Mer- uh, the. Um, the Gulf of Mexico, and it's just completely decimated, and um, it's just another another sad, sad story of this mm-hmm. industry. Well, I don't want to. We got to we got to start beginning the process of wrapping this up, and I don't <laughs> want to leave people like super bummed out. Uh, so I think it is important to point out that there is a hopeful uh, there is a hopeful ribbon that um, thematic ribbon that that runs through this movie and that is these people that you profile who have changed their lives around and have like sort of had these dramatic recoveries from chronic illness as a result of making the changes that the doctors throughout the movie advocate and i think we have two or three people that were at true health so maybe kind of talk a little bit about who these individuals are because i think it's pretty inspiring and it's amazing to see in such a short period of time like they don't even look like the same people it's unbelievable. It's really is unbelievable. Uh, True North, which is a health center based in Santa Rosa, amazing. They do they focus on water fasting, but just incredible. Uh, Dr. Goldhammer founded it. They allowed us to come in and interview some of mm-hmm. their and Dr. Their, Clapper. And Dr. Clapper is based there, there as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we followed three people. Th- three. Three there. It's three, three there. Yeah. Who. Um, who go through a process and just over the course of two weeks, how they all came off their meds. And we're talking about people who 18 are meds incredible yeah. numbers of two meds. Two weeks, some of them. One lady, she's on a she's on a, a walker, and that was maybe a month. Yeah, but she she stopped all of her meds. She was taking twenty plus meds and in two weeks of, of fasting and, and changing her diet, you know, getting off animal products, getting off these inflammatory foods, she comes off of it. Um We've got people with diabetes. We have this amazing woman, Amy Resnick. She lost, I think it was 20 pounds in f- the first four days. <laughs> oh I mean, and, and, and I mean, it's just in- incredible. Uh-huh. And just, just to see, too, yeah, how emotionally they changed, too. I mean, just these, yeah. the, how, how easy they were to laugh and to smile. And it's, it makes sense. It's, if you don't feel well, how are you going to have a positive attitude and a positive outlook on life? It, it, you've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a, a really, I think, emotional aspect of the film. And then just show, too, that you can do this. And it's not some crazy extreme thing. It's that you can change how you, how you eat and you're going you're gonna to live differently. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, man. Yeah, it's pretty inspirational because I think that's, you know, people that are really struggling with their health that are going to watch this movie are going to be able to find the hope that they need to make those changes through those stories. Yeah, yeah that's what's yeah. cool about the film. There's a real solution. 
and a real immediate solution. You know, this is within weeks of some, either you're sick or one of your loved ones sick and just wants to do the say 30 day vegan challenge, whole foods, plant-based, um, or just to do a cleanse and to see the transformation that happens in only weeks. It's really, it's really exciting. And we had cool. no idea until we went to True North to see how powerful that is because mm-hmm. we're pretty healthy. But to see that happen that fast, I had no idea. Yeah, it's amazing. And the, and the lights just go on. Yeah, you know? you just and they see come back eyes. to life. Like the woman who was on the walker all hunched over, just, just literally sleepwalking to her death. And then you see her two weeks later outdoors walking. And I'm like, that does not look like the same person at all. Yeah. It's amazing. And to right? see them as shocked as anyone, because this is them going through decades of their doctors saying um, that it's impossible. This is the way your life is. So this is the way your life is. And then in only two weeks, all of a sudden this happening and you just see the light turn on. And at the same time, feeling that they've, you know, how the regret of them listening to their doctors for so long. But the most thing is them just so thankful they finally found uh, a solution in another way. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, Cowspiracy, uh, you guys hit it out of the park with that movie. You know, I still remember, uh, you know, screening it for the first time when you guys were running your Kickstarter and and Greg and I calling you guys up and just being like, how can we get, you know, like get more involved with what you guys are doing? We were so impressed. And then to see how far you have come and how many people you've impacted with that movie. And then to see you come here and and just knock it out of the park again. Like, I just can't wait for audiences to experience this movie. You've taken it, um, you've raised the bar, taken it to the next level, and you guys are just magnificent, amazing examples of service. You're doing it for the right reasons. Your heart is into it, and that that bleeds out into every frame of this movie. So congratulations, and, and it's just a privilege and an honor to like know you guys and, and be blazing this path with you. Well, thanks, Rich. So, I mean, that's amazing. Honestly, thank you for that. We are super excited because we're going to do a big uh, thunderclap campaign like what you did with Plant Power Way, which was awesome, amazing to see, to try and get as many people to pay attention to the film being premiered. So, you know, online. Right. So, again, What the Health Film uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I think it's actually WTH Film. Uh, on, on on some social media, on social on media, Twitter okay. and things like that. Well, in the show notes, just go to the show notes for this episode on my website, and I'll have all the appropriate links dialed in. So the goal is really um, just get this film out as fast, so it's up to everyone. You know, it's like how it's a, like how Spiracy. We sure we made the film, but that was only part. That was a fraction of it. It was that everybody who shared the film. It's a tool. So the goal is to everyone to sign up for the Thunderclap campaign and to tell everyone this to have all their friends and loved ones watch it. Right, and then and then beyond that, the distribution plan is TBD right now. Yeah. You, TBD, we're still figuring out. We're talking discussion and figuring out the next mm-hmm. step. Gotcha. But we've got some really exciting things coming out. We've got a cookbook written by a registered dietitian, Carly Swanson, uh, Slauson. We've got a whole bunch of exciting things coming, so you know, keeping in touch with us, best awesome, thing to do. Man. Good talking to you guys. Awesome talking to you. So psyched for you. Yeah, congrats on the movie. Everybody check it out. You've got to see this movie. Uh, Watch it. Share it with your friends. Spread the message. And uh, let's together do what we can to solve this ridiculous healthcare, health, and environmental crisis that we're facing. Uh, These are very interesting times that we find ourselves in. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to be as informed, as active, as compassionate um, and as involved as as we can be. 
Well said. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. Plants. Awesome. We did it again on March 16th. What the Health will be available everywhere at whatthehealthfilm.com, where you can also pre-order the DVD and the cookbook, set up your own screening. Uh, and not only that, again, for the first four days, the 16th through the 20th of March, 50% of all sales are going to be donated to feed people in need with healthy food, thanks to their partner, Food Not Bomb. So that's a huge reason to check the film out immediately as soon as it becomes available on March 16th. In addition, uh, these guys have a thunderclap running to help get the word out about the release. The link to that is in the show notes. You can sign up there to help share their message with your community, which is fantastic. And finally, we are hosting a live screening of the documentary on March 29th in Thousand Oaks, California, my neck of the woods. I'm gonna emcee the event. We're working on some special guests. We're gonna have a plant-based dinner by Joy Cafe and desserts from Karma Baker, our partners. Uh, and it's gonna be awesome. Uh, tickets are going really fast. There aren't very many left at this point, um, but there are a few left. So for information and to nab your seat, please go to whatthehealthfilm.eventbrite.com Com. And again, I'll put the link in the show notes to that. Uh, if you would like to support this show and my work, there's a couple ways to do that. The easiest way is just to share it with your friends, to talk about it over the dinner table, to throw it up on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or what have you, uh, to leave a review on iTunes, to click that subscribe button on iTunes helps us out a lot. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to buy something on Amazon, if you click through the banner ad on my website or bookmark it to your browser, that really helps us out a lot, sends us some commission change, doesn't cost you anything extra. And also we have a Patreon page for those who want to contribute financially. And I greatly uh, respect and thank everybody who has um, made that commitment to me, it means a lot to me. Uh, big love to everybody who helped put on the show today, Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production, Sean Patterson for help on graphics, Chris Swan for all his uh, hard work on additional production assistance and compiling the show notes and all kinds of other behind the scenes stuff. And as always, theme music by Analemma. See you guys here uh, in a couple days. Am I going to do a midweek? I don't think so. I think I'm going to do, uh, the next one's going to be up next Sunday. I'm in Australia. I'm having a great time. I got to focus on these events coming up, but uh, really happy to be bringing you this podcast today and look forward to seeing you guys here next week. Until then, uh, make it great. Stay true. Peace. Plants. Yeah.